This morning, God's Word comes to us from John chapter 16. John 16. We are going to begin our reading at verse 5 and then read through verse 15 of this chapter. John 16, beginning at verse 5, what we hear now is God's word. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 858 in the back section. As we read this morning from the Belgic Confession, uh, article 11, a fairly short article in the Confession. From page 858, the bottom of the second column, article 11, entitled, The Deity of the Holy Spirit. We believe and confess also that the Holy Spirit proceeds eternally from the Father and the Son, neither made, nor created, nor begotten, but only proceeding from two of them. In regard to order, he is the third person of the Trinity, of one and the same essence and majesty and glory with the Father and the Son. He is true and eternal God, as the Holy Scriptures teach us. This is our confession of faith. We are continuing our study of the Word of God as summarized for us in the Belgic Confession of Faith, and this first section of the confession deals with who God is and how God reveals himself. We saw that God reveals himself as a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Last time we looked at the deity of the second person of the Trinity, the deity of Jesus Christ. We saw that he was the firstborn over all creation, the power which created all things. And he is the firstborn of the dead, 
In him and in his resurrection, we see his power over death. Uh, Today, we're going to move on and look at the third person of the Trinity, uh, the deity of the Holy Spirit. Now, there would be those who suggest that Reformed churches don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we don't see in our worship services the outward manifestations of the Spirit's power as you may see in other churches. I did not expect this morning that any of you who are here and not feeling well are going to be healed by the Spirit. I don't expect this morning that any of you are going to be moved by the Spirit to speak in tongues. I don't expect this morning that any of you are going to be slain in the Spirit and fall down writhing in the center aisle. That does not mean that the Spirit of God is not here. Our understanding of who the Spirit is and what He does comes from the Word of God, His revelation of Himself there. And while we no longer see those miraculous external signs of the Spirit that they saw in the New Testament times, the Spirit certainly continues to be powerful and active, working miraculously inwardly in the hearts of God's people. John 16 gives us something of a picture of who the Holy Spirit is and what He came to do. Jesus is preparing to leave, to leave his disciples not only because of his death, but to leave his disciples also because of his ascension back into heaven. And they are concerned, and they are afraid, and they are sad. And so Jesus gives them these wonderful words of comfort that he will send them a helper. He will send them the spirit of truth. And so we look this morning at John 16 and and Jesus' description of the deity of the Holy Spirit. The first thing we have to remember is that the Holy Spirit is not simply a New Testament phenomenon. Now kids, you've heard me say this before. Where is the first time that we read about the Spirit in the Bible? It is not at Pentecost. It is not in the New Testament. The first time we read about the Spirit in the Bible is all the way back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, the second verse of the Bible says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. The Spirit has always been. He is eternal God, just like the Father is eternal, just like the Son is eternal. The Spirit is eternal. We read in the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6, God says, My Spirit will not contend with man forever. The Spirit of God active, preparing for the coming of the flood. 
when the uh, tabernacle was being built, we read about the Spirit of God on the artisans, giving them skill, giving them wisdom to create this beautiful thing at God's direction, a picture of God's presence within his people because of the work of the Spirit. The Spirit is throughout the Scriptures, throughout the Old Testament. The Spirit of God resting upon the prophets, that they could come in the name and power of the Spirit of God and say, thus says the Lord, and speak authoritatively to God's people. The Spirit of God resting upon the priests as they would make intercession on behalf of the people of God. The Spirit of God resting on the kings, those who were called to guard and to protect God's people. His power, His wisdom directing them in their role in the kingship. Now the Spirit is throughout the Scriptures, in the Old Testament and the New as well. Certainly uh, in the Pentecost event, we do, we do see a, a fullness of the coming of the Spirit. We see the outpouring of the Spirit. That which Jesus promised in our text this morning, in verse 7. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And we see that promise of Jesus fulfilled in the Pentecost event as the Spirit is poured out upon the people of God. He is revealed throughout the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of mist, but he is a person. What does Jesus say? He says, if I go, I will send you a helper. He doesn't say, I will send you help. Help is impersonal. No, I will send you a helper, sometimes called a counselor. A comforter. Not just comfort. I will send you a comforter. Again, from the, from the flood story, he can, the Spirit contends with mankind. That's not impersonal. That's personal. He is the third person of the Trinity. The third person of the Godhead. So we refer to the Holy Spirit. You see on the outline, His revelation, His work in the world, His work in the church. I read a sermon by a candidate one time about the work of the Holy Spirit, and he kept referring to the Spirit as it. It does this, and it does that. He was um, soundly reminded at his exam that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity, not an impersonal force. The Scriptures reveal him that way. And in John 16, we have a beautiful summary of what his work will be. What his work will be in the world and what his work will be in the church. Verse 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
That's what the Spirit does with regard to the world. Convicts the world regarding sin and regarding righteousness and regarding judgment. He convicts the world with regard to sin, Jesus says, because they do not believe in me. No belief in the Savior. And so the Holy Spirit comes and convicts of sin. Now, we don't like to have our sin pointed out. I don't like to be reminded of my sin, reminded of my shortcomings. But that's what the Holy Spirit does, and it is necessary that he do that. If the Holy Spirit did not convict the world of sin, they would have no need for a Savior. No need to put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit comes and does a truly miraculous work. The Holy Spirit takes a heart that is cold and dead and dark with sin and brings that heart to life. Changes the heart of a man. Changes the heart of a woman. That is truly a miraculous work. I would suggest more miraculous than the so-called external manifestations. This is the change of a heart. The change of a life. That's what the Holy Spirit does in the world. He convicts the world with regard to their sin that they might know that they need a Savior and place their trust in Jesus Christ. He convicts the world with regard to sin. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father that the world might understand the true nature of righteousness. If you ask most people who have a casual understanding of who God is, if you ask them the question, you know, if, if, uh, if you were to die tonight, uh, why should God let you into heaven? The most common answer you will get is, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not that bad. Oh, oh, I, I, I'm not perfect, I know that. But I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done uh, robberies of any kind. I haven't done all kinds of big sins. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a decent guy. And there's a misunderstanding with regard to righteousness. Because even the best that one can offer to God is insufficient. His standard of righteousness is not pretty good. His standard of righteousness is perfection. Perfection. And none of us has attained that. None of us has attained that standard which God has set to be received by him. None of us 
except for Jesus Christ. He was the one who came and perfectly obeyed the law of God. Jesus Christ was the one who came and in him was no sin whatsoever. Jesus Christ was perfectly righteous. He says, I'm going back to the Father. The Father is receiving the Son because the Son came to do the will of his Father. He is going to accomplish that will as he dies at the cross and the Father will then receive him once again. Having been perfectly righteous, perfectly obedient. And that righteousness, that perfection by the power of the Spirit is credited to us and applied to us. That we begin, we begin that process of starting to look like God would have us look. To convict the world with regard to righteousness. The standard is perfection. Only Christ has been perfect. He is the one who came and took away all of our sins. We might believe in Jesus Christ and grants us and credits us his righteousness. It is that Jesus Christ who calls out to you today to put your faith and your trust in him. To see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life as you embrace this one and only Savior that you might trust him for the forgiveness of all of your sins and that you might be one of those by the power of the Spirit credited with his righteousness. That's what Jesus Christ does. Convicts us concerning our sin, concerning righteousness, and, and concerning judgment. He says concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The reminder a reminder that God is a just judge and that already now the ruler of the world children he's talking about Satan Satan stands condemned Satan stands judged he is judged and all those with him are judged this conviction regarding judgment reminds us that there is a final reckoning to come. That there are two kinds of people. There are those who by faith embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and know life. And there are those who do not and who stand condemned along with the devil and all of his angels. God's righteous judgment and the spirit convicts us of that teaching us to say no to the ways of the world no to the things of the flesh we read that from Galatians this morning the spirit of God at work saying no to these these fleshly sins and by his work in our lives embracing the finished work of Jesus Christ this is what the spirit of God does convicting of sin, convicting of righteousness, convicting of judgment as he draws those from the world into the church. What is that work of the Spirit in the church? Those who've been brought in. Jesus says in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. 
That's what the Spirit does for the church. He guides us into the truth. Now we know, we know that this side of heaven, there is no perfect church. We know that because of our sin, we will still err at times. But but the fact that there is no perfect church doesn't mean that all churches are the same. We can't say, well, look, no church is a perfect church, so it really doesn't matter where I go. Every church, because of sin, will have a measure of imperfection. No, we are called to seek out the most faithful church to the Scriptures. And the Spirit of God guides the church into truth. Not all churches are the same. Yes, all are fallen, but not all are the same. It is our obligation to seek out the church which most most faithfully reflects the teachings of the Word of God. And the Spirit of truth guides us into all truth. The Spirit of truth helps us to see the fullness of the Word of God. It is so easy for us to become out of balance with regard to God's Word. I had a friend uh, from many, many years ago, and uh, he, he took as his kind of theme text uh, when Jesus says, uh, I will speak to them in parables, and without a parable I will not speak to them. And he used that one text as the lens through which he viewed every other text in Scripture. Without a parable, I will not speak to them. And so he was always looking for the message behind the message. Everything's parabolic. So what does it really mean when the Bible says this? And the text, as it stands, loses its significance. It is so easy to get out of balance with regard to the Scriptures. The Spirit leads us into the fullness of God's Word. The fullness that is necessary to to truly understand who God is and the way of salvation. Yes, our God is a sovereign God. He is a God who is in control of all things. He is a God who from the foundations of the world has chose a people for His very own. But that glorious, wonderful truth of God's sovereignty, that He has done everything necessary for salvation, does not mean that we have no obligation to believe in Him. Yes, God is completely sovereign in salvation, and we are absolutely responsible to place our faith in that one true God. Even that gift of faith we know comes from the Holy Spirit, but it is our obligation, the balance. There are, there are churches that are, we sometimes use the word hyper-Calvinistic, that preach that God is so in control, doesn't matter what you do. That's out of balance. There are churches 
which we would refer to as a highly Arminian, that said, it's all up to you, it's all up to you, God's just waiting for you. That's out of balance. We see the balance of Scripture. God is absolutely sovereign in salvation, and we are absolutely obliged to put our faith in that sovereign God. The Holy Spirit leads us into the fullness of truth. There are places where where we hear so much about the love of God, and God is love. He is a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. But we hear so much about the love of God that we forget about the wrath of God. He is holy. He is righteous. He is a just judge. The one who will come to judge the living and the dead. We need the full balance of Scripture. Rather than saying that God is so loving, His love overcomes His wrath or some, something like that. That in the end, love wins and everybody goes to heaven. No, God is both. The Holy Spirit guides us into the fullness of the truth. We do need to hear the reality that we, in ourselves, are worthless sinners. But we also have to the truth that in Jesus Christ, we are sanctified saints. Both, both are necessary. The fullness of the truth. The Spirit comes, and what does He do for the church? He leads us into all of that truth. Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me. The Holy Spirit comes to bring glory to Christ in the church. The Holy Spirit does not bring glory to Himself. The Holy Spirit does not seek to call attention to Himself. The Holy Spirit points us again and again to Jesus Christ and gives all glory to Him. So we have to at least ask the question, in these churches where these external manifestations of the Spirit are held in such high regard, have they missed have they missed John 16? The Holy Spirit doesn't call attention to himself. He brings glory to Christ and through Christ to God the Father. He is the one who, who we pray continues to work in the church, in our church. It is my prayer every Lord's Day that the Holy Spirit would work actively, mightily, powerfully in the church. He uses the tool of his word to convict us of our sin to let us see the glories of Christ's righteousness, to know that God is a judging God and that only those who put their faith and trust in Him have hope for this life and for the life to come. So yes, we are a, ch a church where you will not see the miraculous external manifestations. That does not mean we don't believe in the Holy Spirit. That does not mean the Spirit is not at work. We pray every Lord's Day He would work in us, in our hearts, in our lives. If you are here and have never embraced Jesus Christ, then the Spirit may be prompting you this morning to put your faith and trust in Him. Don't say no to that work of the Spirit. 
If you have known Jesus Christ throughout your life and he is, he is urging you on to our greater devotion, don't say no to the work of the Spirit. But embrace this glorious gift that God has given. He is here with us. And he brings glory, not to himself, not to us, but he brings glory to God the Father. We praise him for his wonderful work. Let's join together in prayer. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit, a work which has been ongoing throughout the time of creation and the Old Testament and the New Testament and today. Lord God, we pray that you would continue to work mightily and powerfully in the world, convicting the world of sin, demonstrating true righteousness, reminding them of judgment. We pray, O oh God, your Spirit would work in the church that we might know the glories of Jesus Christ. We might be led into all truth because you are the God of truth. Hear, O oh God, our prayer. For Jesus' sake, amen.